Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. So we've already done a full segment on Robert Henderson's Courts of Heaven heresy. It's absolutely not taught in the scriptures. And unfortunately, Katie Seuss and Robert Henderson are still promoting this false doctrine and even uh, terrifying people rather than comforting them with the good news of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ and laying on them a burden that they cannot bear. And of course, Robert Henderson is the only guy who knows how to offer up these uh, lawsuits in the courts of heaven, weird stuff like this. And so they're still at it. So what we're going to do today, let me uh, whirl up the desktop. Uh, we're going to head over to uh, Katie Sousa's uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, recent uh, episode that they put out uh, called Use the Books of Destiny to Defeat the Devil. I don't know. I thought Christ defeated the devil for us already on the cross, but, you know, what, what do I know? Uh, let's take a listen in as uh, they basically spew a, a bunch of not only false doctrines, but doctrines that hijack biblical texts and make them what they're not about and terrorize uh, uh, consciences with mythologies. And really, this, the, the underlying concept here is that what Christ suffered on the cross is not sufficient for the believer when it comes to being reconciled to God. I'll, I'll show you what I mean here in a second. For years and years and years, I always felt like God had called me to move into a destiny and a purpose. Okay. I couldn't get into it. I was so frustrated. My wife and I were frustrated. We were. All right. So, all right. I know this drives some of you nuts that I cut people off, but man, this, this intro tells me a lot about Robert Henderson. Oh, for years and years and years, I was frustrated, frustrated because I believed that God had called me for a destiny and a purpose, and I couldn't get into it. And, and so what is this doing? It's appealing to narcissism. Uh, you know, when we talk about the good works that Christ has called us to do, I didn't uh, prepare this ahead of time, but let me go ahead and pull up a text that I think is going to be helpful in this regard. We are going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and, uh, and it, the great text because this is describing our state before we were Christians, talking about the great love that God has for us, and then verse 10 tells us something very important. So Paul says in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 1, you, y'all, you know, before you were Christians, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, this is a Hebraism here, and it has to do with how you conduct your life, uh, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is the state of all humanity uh, when they're conceived and born, right? Uh, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, God's our noun here running the verbs. Uh, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with him and seated us up with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And then watch this. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, plural, which always is going to ask, you know, beg the question, what does God consider to be a good work? I would take a look at like the tail end of Ephesians, uh, same epistle here to kind of help you out along those lines. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, uh, which God has prepared before them that we should walk or conduct our lives in them. So when you hear people talking about, you know, oh, God made me with a purpose and a destiny and, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's just feeding into narcissism and it's a false doctrine regarding regarding the good works that Christ has called us to. You can do your good works as a child. You can do your good works as a young adult, as a married person, as a father or a mother, uh, as an employer or an employee. You, you get the idea. Uh, so scripture defines what good works are. But this, this destiny purpose thing, yeah, this is a narcissistic doctrine. So when we hear Robert Henderson immediately starting off, the presenting problem that apparently uh, this doctrine of the books of destiny has to address uh, is that uh, are you frustrated because you feel like you're super de duper important to the universe and to the world and and that you have a destiny and a purpose but you can't just you can't quite figure out how to get into it you know yeah, you know, are you Luke Skywalker? You know, weird stuff like this. Um, this, again, feeds into narcissism. I'm going to back up just a little bit and listen again. For years and years and years, I always felt like God had called me to move into a destiny and a purpose. Okay. I couldn't get into it. I was so frustrated. My wife and I were frustrated. We were like, why, why, is, it, why is it happening for everybody else, but it's not happening for us? Why is it not happening for me? I, I believe that God called me for a destiny, but it's just not happening. It happens to everybody else. Why isn't it happening for me? Uh -huh. Right. Why are we laboring in absolute, you know, um, uh, hiddenness? Uh why? Why do I not have a big platform and everyone recognize my special purpose and density? Nobody knows who we are, and yet we feel like we have something significant to bring to the body of Christ. You know, it, it was like nothing would ever, um, you know, bring us out of that isolation place. So all of a sudden, what happened was I have a dream, and, uh -oh. and in my dream, my I um, there, my great great grandfather yep. had through negligence injured somebody and because of their injury there was now a present day case against me oh my me. gosh and i <laughs> all right let's start talking about uh, some contradictions here to the scriptures so um so apparently his great great grandfather now by the way i've never met my great grandfather let alone my great great grandfather never met him they were both long dead before I was born. That being the case, you know how much I know about the lives of either my great-grandfather or my great-great-grandfather or great-great-great-grandfather? I know practically zero. I know when they were born. I know when they died. 
And by the way, I have more than one. You think about it. I have multiple great, great, great grandfathers, right? And, and so to somehow say that, well, God had a destiny for me. And, uh, and I can't figure out how to get into it, and I'm frustrated. And then in a dream, it all of a sudden, it was revealed to me something that one of my great-great-grandfathers did, you know, had injured somebody else. And therefore, the Satan now has, has uh, a bureaucratically filed a lawsuit against me in the courts of heaven. What a bunch of bovine scatology. And on top of that... Let's take a look at a text that this contradicts. And let me see. I think I want to go this way. Yeah, Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. Verse 19. Yet you say, why should not the son suffer for the iniquity of the father? When the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe all my statutes, he shall surely live, says God. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Yeah, so you got a big problem here, this doctrine that Katie Seuss is promoting through this complete charlatan. And I, that's exactly what Robert Henderson is. He is a liar and a con man. Uh, and a narcissist to boot, you can kind of hear it in his you know, self-absorption about, I was really created for something important and I couldn't figure out how to, how to get into it, right? Uh, this is going against something that scripture is very clear. And that is, is that um, whatever my great, great, great-grandparents did or didn't do, there is no current pending legislation in heaven against me to keep for, keep me from experiencing my destiny because of that. You know, Ezekiel 18, 19, and 20 um, make that very clear. But the other bit, if you were to kind of put it all together, is that uh, when we talk about uh, being in Christ... Um, John, first John says it this way, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those who are in Christ Jesus have been reconciled to God and Christ's death on the cross is completely wipes away the debt that stood against us. Colossians 2 says it this way, um, See to it that no one takes you uh, captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Empty deceit is a good way to describe what we're hearing from Robert Henderson, and you'll hear from Katie Sousa shortly. Uh, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. For in Christ, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. You have been filled in him who is the head and rule of, and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made you alive together with him, that's Christ, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. The entire record of debt that stood against you has been canceled and nailed to the cross. And you've been forgiven of all of your trespasses and um, you're not being held accountable for the sins of your great-great-grandfather or any negligence on his part. So you're, you're gonna note here, not only is this mythology, 
This is mythology that undoes the gospel. This is empty deceit on his part. And watch where he goes with this. I'm going to back it up just a smidge. Yep. Had, through negligence, injured somebody... And because of their injury, there was now a present-day case against me. Oh, my me. gosh. And I woke up, and oh I gosh. literally thought the dream was, like, real. It, real in the sense of it being real in the natural. Like it happened. But when I woke up, I re- began to realize. All right. So if you were to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, you legitimately had some kind of a dream experience, you have to test the source. Since the, this, the details of this dream and the doctrines that it support contradict Scripture— we can rule out that this is a dream given by God. If he legitimately had a dream and he's not just lying to, to you know, in order to ingratiate himself, then the, the source of the dream was demonic. Oh, wait, this is God giving me a massive revelation here. So I went into the courts of heaven. I repented for the negligence because here's what the Lord said. How, how do you go into the courts of heaven? Do you get a summons? You know, how, how exactly does that work? Do you take an Uber? He said, when your great-great-grandfather, through negligence, injured somebody, it says the enemy has taken that and has said, he stole the dreams of someone away, therefore I have the legal right to steal your oh dreams away. Oh, my gosh. Now, notice, he said that God said that. I'm gonna, I want you to hear it again. Um massive revelation here. So I went into the courts of heaven. I repented for the negligence because here's what the Lord said. Here's what the Lord said. He's saying God told him this. God didn't tell you this at all because God would then be contradicting himself. He said, when your great-great-grandfather through negligence injured somebody, it says the enemy has taken that and has said, he stole the dreams of someone away, therefore I have the legal right to steal your oh dreams away. Oh my gosh. And the really? moment, yes. Is it me or does her body language say that she knows that this is a total con and she's reveling in the fact that she's in, engaging in this deception with Robert Henderson? I don't think she believes this at all. And the moment I dealt wow. with that, everything began to shift. Wow. Oh, so he, he went into the courts of heaven and dealt with his the lawsuit that was filed against him by the enemy because of his great-great-grandfather's negligence. Wow. Television opened up. Platforms opened wow. up. Book, books opened. Everything oh began to open up because I dealt with the legal claim the enemy had had against me because... So television opened up. Everything, uh, finally, the, the blockage that was keeping him from his destiny, all the blockages were lifted. Yeah, we'll call this the, uh, the, this is also known as a logical fallacy known as post hoc ergo propter hoc, or as my wife likes to call it, post hoc ergo poppycock. Yeah, after this, therefore, because of this, man, this is bad. Of something my great-great-grandfather had done. Okay, so now, this is one of the things you cover in the book. Yes. About the 365 um, prayers and activations. Yes. 365 prayers and activations. No such doctrines are taught in the scriptures. Is the books of destiny. All right, let me back this up so you can hear in context. Okay, so now, this is one of the things you cover in the book. Yes. About the 365 um, prayers and activations yes. in the courts. Is the books of destiny. Yes. So. The what? The books of destiny. Yeah, nowhere taught in scripture. Are you saying that when we began to ask the Lord for discovery and the books of our destiny to... 
Ask the Lord for discovery. <laughs> you thought that the uh, Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial <laughs> was an ordeal. I, I, where do I hire a, a heavenly attorney to help me get discovery as it relates to things that are written in the so-called books of destiny? This sounds like Gnosticism. To be read. We're going to start getting dreams about weird stuff that has happened or, or a revelation while we're reading the scriptures or something about... Again, her, her body language is weird. She, she has this smirk on her face like she knows she's trafficking in falsehoods. It's really off-putting. Things that have happened in her bloodline that we didn't even know about, mm -hmm. which are blocking our destiny from happening. No biblical text talks about sins that your great-great-grandparents committed uh, that are blocking you from your destiny. Now, it is absolutely true that in Adam, we all became sinners. That's absolutely true. But what she's talking about, nowhere found in Scripture. And if this were, if this were something that Christians were supposed to believe, then Peter would have taught it. Paul would have taught it, James would have taught it, John would have taught it. You get the idea. This is nowhere found anywhere in the New Testament. And as a result of this, this isn't a biblical doctrine. It's not even found in the Old Testament. Watch the text that they end up twisting to, uh, to make it appear like the Bible teaches this doctrine about uh, you know, lawsuits being filed to block you from having your destiny happen. I'll back this up. Books of our destiny to be read. We're going to start getting dreams about weird stuff that has happened or, or a revelation while we're reading the scriptures or something about things that have happened in our bloodline that we didn't even know about, mm -hmm. which are blocking our destiny from happening, and we have to go address it in the court. Is That's that right. right? Absolutely. Okay, so let's Absolutely. talk about that. Yep. Well, you know, in, in Daniel 7, verse 10, <clears throat> yep. okay, the Bible uh, talks about the court, gives a picture. It's the clearest picture of the court. Wow. The fact that he would hijack Daniel 7 this way is unbelievable. Let's take a look before he spins out his false doctrine as to what's going on in Daniel 7. So three rules for sound biblical exegesis are, again, context, context, and context. That being the case, we're going to take a closer look at Daniel chapter 7 to see what's going on. This is an important passage as it relates to the day of judgment, the end of the earth, the, the judging of Satan. And there's a good cross-reference in Revelation to what we're going to read. So here's what it says. Daniel's vision of the four beasts. In the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. This kind of has implications as it relates to, you know, maybe uh, Revelation 13. And four great beasts came up out of the sea. These are four kingdoms, if you would. They were different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. This, by the way, is going to be Babylon. Uh, and, you know, if you were to just kind of Google uh, Babylon 
lion eagle's wings. You you could say it's like the national mascot of you know Nebuchadnezzar's, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. All right, I, I looked; its wings were plucked off. Uh, it was lifted up from the ground, made to stand on two feet like a man. The mind of a man was given to it. This may be a reference to the fact that Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind, was given the mind of a beast for a while, and then God restored his mind. Behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth. This is going to be the uh, the kingdom that follows, you know, think of Media, Persia, and rise, devour much flesh. After this, I look and behold, another like a leopard had four wings of a bird on its back. The beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. So this, uh, this fourth one is Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great, uh, you'll know after he conquered the world, uh, you know he died, and then his uh, his his assets, his kingdom, was chopped up into four pieces. Uh, this would include the Seleucids and the Ptolemaic Empire, things like this. After this, uh, in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful, exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth, and you'll note in the uh, in the Bible when iron is used in this apocalyptic kind of way. Uh, it has allusions to the Roman Empire. So this is a weird hybrid animal uh, that has iron teeth, right? It devoured broken pieces, stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. It had 10 horns. This should invoke the book of Revelation, by the way. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. This again, read Revelation. This is exactly the same imagery. And behold, in, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. We learn from the book of Revelation, uh, not only these great things being spoken by this little horn, but they are blasphemous things, right? This is a picture then of, of the Antichrist. And as I looked, thrones were placed. The Ancient of Days took his seat. Note, thrones plural, right? And uh, many scholars believe the Ancient of Days is a reference to God the Father, okay? Ancient of Days took his seat, his clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool, his throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire, a stream of fire issued and came out from before him, a thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, and the court sat in judgment. The books were opened. I looked, and then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed, its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So, here you go. Okay, this is a picture of the Day of Judgment. Here's a cross-reference, Revelation chapter 20. Uh, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended, and after that he must be released for a little while. Uh, then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those 
to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Uh, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. And then when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle, and their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, for the fire came out from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. You see the connection? Uh, the, the books opened, the judgment in thrones. Yeah, this what you're seeing in Daniel 7 is a picture of the day of judgment. Uh, then another book was opened, and which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death at the lake of fire, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So what you have here in Daniel chapter 7, the court sat in judgment, the books were opened, uh, you know, I looked, and because of the sound of the great words, the horn was speaking as I looked, the beast was killed, its body destroyed, given over to be burned with fire. This is a picture of the day of judgment in Daniel 7. So we've got a problem, and that is, is that Robert Henderson has hijacked this to use it as a proof text to kind of, if, if let me give you a, a metaphor here, uh, to shoehorn in his false doctrine into this text to make it look like, well, the courts of heaven, see, there's lawsuits being filed that keep you from hap- experiencing your what's written in your book of destiny. No biblical text. Sorry, wrong button. No biblical text says that. So we've got a big, big, big problem. Let's keep going. Actually, in, in scripture, the Bible, right? Yeah. Because it says, now "I'm going to back this." And we up. have to go address it in the court. Is That's that right. right? Absolutely. Okay, so Absolutely. let's talk about that. Yep. Well, you know, in Daniel seven verse ten, <laughs> yep. okay, the Bible uh, talks about the court, gives a picture. It's the clearest picture of the court, actually, in, in scripture. the Bible, right? Yep. Because it's not a picture of a court where we go and file lawsuits. Because it to, says, but, yeah, or or the devil files lawsuits to keep us from our destiny. That's a picture of the day of judgment. In Daniel 7, verse 10, yep. okay, the Bible talks about the court, gives a picture. It's the clearest picture of the court, actually, in, in Scripture. In the Bible, right. Yeah. Because it says, but then it makes this statement, and the court was seated. That means it is now come to order, ready to hear a yeah. case. The court was No, it means the court has now come to order in order to judge the earth. Seated, and the books were opened. Yes. Now, there's a lot of different. And, 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 there's a, a lot of different books. Yeah, there's a lot of different books in heaven. Okay. Um, and and, a, and a, a, a synonym for books is scrolls as well. So okay. some say scrolls, some say books. Okay. But the bottom line is, there's all sorts of books in heaven. There's books of remembrance. There's the book of life. Um, 
There's there's prophetic books. But in in Psalms 139:16, mm-hmm. I call this scripture the book of destiny. Book Really? Psalm 139:16, you call it the book of destiny. Okay. Of destiny. Because it says all my days yet unfashioned, mm-hmm. in other words, how long I'll live. Yep. And all my substance yet unformed. Right. In other words, my DNA, my the thing that makes me gravitate towards certain things, it gives gives me interest here. Boy, I tell you, he sure sure is reading a lot into that text that isn't there. Let's take a look at it. Psalm 139, right? Psalm 139. Whoops, I better better take that extra zero out, right? Let's just read it in context. O Yahweh, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Yahweh, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. This is, you know, in a sense, talking about God's omniscience, how he knows everything. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And you're going to note here, this is talking about how God knows the end from the beginning. So if we were to head back to, you know, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is not saying at all that God somehow, you know, has written uh, you know, what would be considered our purpose or our destiny and and that Satan is somehow, you know, getting access to our books of destiny to prevent these things that God has seen for us to do a- ahead of time. And then we've got to overcome the devil by uh, being litigious in the courts of heaven. It's a nonsense doctrine that this man is saying. And he's twisting the scripture and putting things into the Bible that are not there. That that part of uh, my personality, part my of my personality, makeup. Yes, yeah. all of that, all of that was written in the book of heaven before time began about yes. me. Psalm one thirty nine. Yes. That, that, so mm-hmm. Psalm one thirty nine yes. sixteen. So so what that means is that I come into the courts of heaven. Yeah. Where does it say that any of us come into the courts of heaven? Because when it says the court is seated and the books are open, that means the cases I'm going to present in the court have to come out of those books. 
No, it doesn't, because Daniel chapter 7, talking about the, the thrones being set up, and the Ancient of Days standing in judgment there is referring to the last day, the day of judgment. It's not like day-to-day, -day, you know, it's time is spent in heaven with all of these litigations going on. This is nonsense, and it undoes the gospel. Okay, so... But that's important. That is important, because if it is written in a book... Yes. ...in heaven, that means God wrote... The books of destiny, God wrote. That's right. There's books of evidence against us also. That's right. But the books of... Again, Colossians 2 is clear that the entire record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands has been torn out of our books and nailed to the cross. Christ has canceled it. Destiny, God wrote it. So if we go into court and ask those books to be opened, mm -hmm. that means the will of God is being decreed judicially in the court. That's right. That's right. Okay. And, and see, well, see, see, and I tell people, I say, really what you do in the courts is you do not come to the court and present need. Okay. You come to the court and present purpose. Nowhere in Scripture are we told to come to the courts to present purpose or need or anything like this. This is a purely fabricated doctrine. These two are engaging in a con. And Katie Sousa, by her body language, knows that this is nonsense. Knows it absolutely. And these two are lying and deceiving to make a buck. But nowhere does the Bible teach anything even remotely like this. This is snaky, best way I can put it. So hopefully you have found this helpful. If you've been believing that you need to file court cases in the courts of heaven based on the books of destiny and stuff, and you've been listening to Robert Henderson and you know somebody who has, repent. This is not biblical. These people are not sound. They are not teaching the truth. They are deceivers and liars, and their lies undermine and take away the great gift of the forgiveness of all of our sins that we have in Christ and the reconciliation that he has won for us. Believe me, I've never been to spiritual law school, nor has anyone else, and neither have they. So, you know, avoid these people like the plagues. And when you hear people spewing man-made doctrines like this, run away. Scripture says to mark them and avoid them. So mark both Katie Sousa and Robert Henderson. They are deceivers, and God doesn't will you to listen to them. He wills for you to not listen to them. So hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the description. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Mm -hmm.